We're in the book of Zechariah together, and we're coming to the last few chapters of Zechariah. We're in chapter 11 right now. So we're in Zechariah chapter 11, and we'll start right in verse 1. Remember, Zechariah is, is giving us an, uh, an unfolding of Israel's history. And Zechariah is now prophesying about the future of Israel. He, uh, he began that in uh, verses 9 and 10 when he talked about the Grecian rulers to come. Alexander the Great, he had not as of yet come, but he was on the way. And uh, Zechariah also will speak about in chapter 11 the Roman Empire. And then in uh, verses 12 through uh, chapters 12 through 14, he'll speak about the empire of Antichrist. Now, Lord willing, I will do my best to unfold this for you, to show you exactly the rule and reign of Antichrist. And I'll do that in an overhead and lay out a timeline and everything over the next couple of weeks. But for this week, we want to look at chapter 11 that speaks about the rejected Messiah, the true Messiah that came, but he was the rejected Messiah. And what we want to see is, is through Zechariah, Zechariah is prophesying again, Messiah is going to come, and he will be rejected, and I will use the, the, the uh, troops that come to judge you, nation of Israel. A horrible, horrible thing. And when we think of Roman rule, we think of the devastation and horrible rule of Rome. So beginning right in chapter 11, right in verse 1, we see Israel and their response to Messiah under Roman rule. Verse 1, Open thy doors, O Lebanon, that the fire may devour thy cedars. So he begins up in the north. Lebanon, you're going to be destroyed. Then he heads to the south, wail for a tree, for the cedar is fallen because of the mighty, the mighty are spoiled. Wail, O oaks of Bashan, for the forest of the uh, vintage is come down. There is a voice of wailing of the shepherds, for their glory is spoiled. A voice of roaring young lions for the pride of the Jordan. So he's, he's talking from north to south, east to west. He's pointing the whole business is going to be destroyed the whole nation, and that would be under Roman rule. Even into the Jordan Valley, he talks about the young lions down there, and, and um, you can see that in verse 3. The, uh, there were lions in the Jordan Valley. They were down in where the lush green Jordan River ran down into the Dead Sea, uh, but they also would suffer the devastation of Roman rule when the Romans came in to slaughter uh, the nation of Israel. So the warning here is the shepherds, the whole fertile crescent would be destroyed. The whole area would be uh, just in total uh, destruction because of Rome. Rome was cruel. The rest of the nations, Nebuchadnezzar, they would attack in the north. They would come down and sweep the capital city and destroy it. But Rome destroyed everything from north to south, a total devastation upon the nation of Israel, particularly in 70 AD under Titus Vespasian, but we'll see that a little later on. What we want to look at here is this harsh, harsh, difficult, horrible, horrible uh, slaughter of Rome. Why, though? We could ask, why, why? Because God sent his Messiah, he came unto his own, and his own received him not. And when you think about that, it seems like, it, well, well, whose fault was this? Well, turn with me to Acts chapter 2 for a moment, please. Acts chapter 2. 
This is very, very interesting in Acts chapter 2, the Lord speaking, of course, through Peter. And Peter informs the Jewish hordes right in Jerusalem, right downtown Jerusalem. He informs the Jewish hordes that they have made a terrible, terrible, horrible error. Horrible. He says in verse 22 of Acts chapter 2, you men of Israel... Hear these words. Now, what happened? Remember, it was during sacrifice, Passover. Uh, then we went into the, uh, uh, to the feast days. And uh, during the feast days, uh, God gives them the gift of uh, languages. And there's Jews from every nation under heaven there. We see that in chapter 2 and verse 5. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men, out of every nation under heaven. So all the Jews had gathered for the feast day and for the, the feast at Pentecost. And as they were all there together, the blessed spirit of God comes upon the apostles and prophets, and those men speak in languages that they did not necessarily know, so that the gracious words of God could be brought out uh, through, through all of the nations that were there represented in Israel. And Peter stands up and gives a, a wonderful sermon concerning uh, the last days and that Israel now had entered into the last days because of their rejection of Messiah. He, in uh, chapter 2 and verse 15, uh, verses uh, 15 and 16, he brings up the prophet Joel, and we'll see that in just a moment. So he's prophesying what's going to happen, what will be brought upon the nation of Israel. Notice in verse 22 again, Acts 2.22, You men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you, as you yourselves also know. Think back about his life. Think back on his ministry. Think back on his miracles. He was the son of God, and you cannot deny it. But what happened? The nation was caught up with the wickedness, caught up with the, their own self-righteousness, and they killed the Messiah. Notice verse 23. Him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, you have taken and by wicked hands have slain. The foreknowledge of God, it was God's decree. God decreed this from the beginning of the world that Messiah would come. And you can see that all the way back in Genesis chapter 3 uh, when he's speaking to Satan. Uh, your seed and his seed will, will, have a, will battle. And that's part of this whole prophecy. You have, notice, you, you have taken by wicked hands and have crucified and slain. You know, it's interesting, and we, we kind of we compartmentalize this. We put it, well, that's those people back then. no. Everyone, everyone to this present day is guilty of the, of the murder of Messiah. Everyone to this present day is guilty of the murder of the Messiah. That includes us. Before we came to know the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior. His blood was upon us is in judgment, in total judgment. And he lets them know you with your wicked hands Christ came for the wicked, which includes who? Everybody. There's none righteous, no, not one. There's none that understandeth. 
There's none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They have together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. Say, well, my grandmother. I I had a grandmother uh, on my mother's side. Uh, She would go to church almost every day. And, and she was very religious. She had statues in her house. She used to scare the daylights out of me. Big, giant statues in her house. I'd walk by, and there was a woman looking down at me, holding the heart, you know, and stuff like that. It'd scare the daylights out of me when I was a little kid. And then, and then, I would hear her curse with Jesus' name. I heard her swear. I heard her laugh at foul things. She was religious, but dead. Religious, but dead. And that's the way all of us are. In my mother's womb, I was conceived dead in my trespasses and sins. The scriptures are very plain. So when Peter's talking to this group of individuals, the Jews there, that this resonates right down through the generations to every one of us, that Christ died and he was slain by wicked hands. And that's us. Say, well, if I was there, I wouldn't have, really. You would have probably been the first one to cry out, crucify him. And so Peter's letting the people know. Now pick it up in verse 24 for a moment, if you could. Verse 24. Whom God has raised up from the dead, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be held by it. He was God, and God did his work through him. So whose fault was it? Who cried out, crucify him? We did. And they did, the Jews as well. Now, turn with me to 1 John for a moment, please. 1 John chapter 1. In 1 John chapter 1, I want you to notice, if you would please, right in verse 9. 1 John 1, 9. You know these passages, of course, uh, very, very well. Pick it up in 1 John one, look at verse 9 with me. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. What the world was saying is they didn't need Messiah. They didn't need the Christ. They were doing all right just the way they were. And the truth is, they were liars. Whose fault was it? Well, he came unto his own, the Jewish people, and his own received him not, but he came to die for the sins of the whole world, did he not? If I be lifted up, I will draw all men to myself. His sacrificial atonement was for the sins of the whole world. Now, the prophets indicated that it was more than just a rejection. I mean, we kind of look at it as, well, oh, yeah, he came to his own, and they said, no, we don't want him. But it was more than that. Head with me to Isaiah, just for a moment, please. Isaiah chapter 53. Isaiah 53. It was more than just rejection of Messiah. There there was more to the story than that. I mean, we like to pretty it up. Uh, He was rejected. But Isaiah 53, and you're, you're very familiar with this, of course, Look at verse 3 with me, please. He was despised. He was despised 
and rejected of men, a man of sorrow, acquainted with grief, and we did hide, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. That's Isaiah talking prophetically about the nation of Israel, but really that's all, all mankind. The word there is an interesting word. The word is to disdain, to disdain, the Hebrew word. It has to do with contemptible, to find something contemptible, to disdain it, to look at it as beneath you. So when we're talking about the Lord Jesus Christ and, and the nation of Israel, they did not only reject him, they hated him. They disdained him. As a matter of fact, we have uh, several passages of Scripture. Turn with me to Mark chapter 14. It was more than just rejection. It was a total disdain in Mark chapter 14 for Messiah. They hated the man Jesus, and they hated that he called himself God. They hated it, and they hated him, and they despised him. The priesthood, of course, Look at Mark chapter 14 and verse 55 for a moment, please. Verse 50. And the chief priests and all the council sought for witness against Jesus to put him to death and found none. For many bore false witnesses against him, but their witnesses agreed not together. They couldn't get two people to agree on anything here. And there rose certain and bore false witness against him, saying, We have heard him say, I will destroy the temple that is made with hands, and within three days I will build another made without hands. But neither did their witnesses agree together. So even these two that were liars bought by the priest, they didn't agree either. Verse 60, And the high priest stood up in the midst and asked Jesus, saying, Answerest thou nothing? What is it that these witness against thee? But he held his peace and answered nothing. Again the high priest asked him and said, uh, unto him, Art thou the Christ, the, uh, the Son of the Blessed? And Jesus said, I am, and you shall see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven. Then the priest tore his clothes and said, What need have we of any further witnesses? You have heard the blasphemy. What think ye? And they all condemned him to be guilty of death. And some began to spit upon him. That's the ultimate disdain. That's the ultimate insult of hating someone to the core, to spit on them. It's the ultimate insult. What did they do? They began to spit on him and to cover his face and to buffet him and to say unto him, prophesy. And the guards did strike him with the palms of the hands. So the... the, the uh, what we know to be the temple god. These were the guys under Roman rule. These, were ro these weren't, I mean, under uh, Pharisaical rule. These weren't Roman soldiers. These were the temple guard that were Israeli soldiers. They began to, to slap him and punch him. And the word there to, to buffet him, to strike him, means to beat black and blue. But they spit on him. They disdained him. They disrespected him. They despised him. Now, that was the Roman, I mean, that was the, uh, the, the, the highest of all the authority in the land of Israel. This would have been the Sanhedrin. Head with me to Mark 15 and verse 16. These are the Roman soldiers. These would be Gentiles. Ro verse 16, and the soldiers led him away unto the hall called the 
praetorium. This is a praetorium guard. These were the Roman soldiers. These were the big, giant, brutal men. And they called together the whole band. So there was maybe 60, 80 people. There could have been as many as 100. So they called this Roman band together. And they clothed him with purple and, and planted a crown of thorns and put them about his head. And they began to salute him, Hail, King of the Jews! And they smote him on the head with a reed, and they did spit upon him. And bowing their knees, worshipped him. And of course, mockery. So when, when we read that um, God is going to judge the nation of Israel and judge the world because of their rejection of Messiah, it wasn't that they just said, we'd rather not have him to rule over us. They said, we will not have this man to rule over us. They hated him and they spit on him, the son of God. So when we're thinking about this rejection, and then when you start reading in, back in, in Zechariah, wait a minute. God's going to allow Rome to destroy the whole nation of Israel? Yes. Why? They deserve it. They deserve it. They turn against their Messiah. Many unfallible proofs were given that he was Messiah. He showed himself. He, he, he loved them even though they turned against him. He did good for them. He healed their sick. He, he caused the lame to walk. He the blind to see. He fed them. All of that, and they turned against him, the Messiah. He said, which of you could accuse me of anything? And there was nothing anyone could say. And yet they crucified him. And so when we, when we go back to Zechariah, just for a moment, please, and we'll, when we'll travel on from there. When we go back to Zechariah, Zechariah chapter 11 and verse 4, notice what God says. Thus saith the Lord my God, feed the flock for the slaughter. You know what that means? Fatten them up. Fatten them up. It's interesting. This has to do with an animal that's going to be slow, uh, slaughtered. So you, you, you put him in a cage so he can't move very far, and you just keep feeding the thing so he's ready for slaughter. You get him fattened up. And that was what was going to happen to the nation of Israel. They thought they were going to be okay. They got rid of Messiah. They thought everything was going to be okay. And then just a few years later, in 70 AD, they were fattened for the slaughter. And General Titus came from the north. But what I want you to notice is this fattening up. Why? Why were they fattened up for the slaughter? Well, head with me to Jeremiah. You're very familiar with this. We looked at the book of Jeremiah together. Kind of looked at the highlights of the book. But Jeremiah chapter 5. Why were they being fattened up for a slaughter? Doesn't that seem awful cruel? Isn't something... Something off about this? Well, notice what happened even in Jeremiah's day. Remember, this was all part of the uh, going into captivity. Then from the captivity, they're going into back into the land. But Jeremiah is talking, and he says, Your iniquities, verse 25, Jeremiah 5, 25, Your iniquities have separated you or, or have <coughs> turned away these things, and your sins have withheld good things from you. Remember, God had nothing but good for the nation of Israel. He wanted Israel to shine for him, to be for his honor and glory. Notice he said, verse 26, For among my people are found wicked men. They lie, they wait. As he that set it snares, they set a trap, they catch men. As a cage is full of birds, so are their houses full of deceit. Therefore, they are become great and grown rich. 
They are grown fat, they shine, yea, they pass over the deeds of the wicked. They judge not the cause of, of the fatherless, yet they prosper. And, and the right of the needy, they do not judge. Shall I not punish them for these things, saith the Lord? Shall not my soul be avenged on such a nation as this? An appalling and horrible thing is committed in the land. The prophets prophesy falsely. The priests be ruled by their means. And my people love to have it so. And what will you do in the end of it? They rejected God and God's word through his prophets in, in uh in, uh, their, in throughout their history continually. Which of the prophets haven't your fathers killed, Jesus said. They slaughtered them all. And now we get into the New Testament and God sends Messiah and they killed him as well. And God says, judgment is coming upon you. They're fattened up, if you would, for the slaughter. Turn with me to uh, the book of Romans for a moment, Romans chapter 2. So when we're talking about the Lord Jesus Christ and the rejection of the Lord Jesus Christ, we have judgment that comes befalling that. And, you know, I don't want to bring politics in it, but we live in a politic, politically correct society that you, you, you dare not say anything that's, that's any way judgmental. It's wrong to do that. You don't want to hurt people's feelings and, and the whole business, and you understand that. I mean, that's not, that's not our goal. But when people reject the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior, they are spitting upon him. They are reject. I don't need that. You ever try to tell someone they must be born again? I don't need that religious stuff. What are they saying? I am rejecting the one that God sent. I'm rejecting his son. I do not need him. I do not want him. As a matter of fact, I don't want to hear about this. Have you ever experienced that? Am I the only one? <laughs> what, is, what are they doing? The very same thing that Rome did, the very same thing that Israel did, they're saying, no, I do not want him. Away with him. Crucify him. Say, well, they're not going that far. They do once they cross the line, don't they? That's as far as you can go. Rejection of Messiah. Now, we're in chapter 2. Look at verses 1 through 5, please. Chapter 2, Romans chapter 2, uh, verse 1. Therefore, thou art inexcusable, O man. Who's that? Everyone. And who were those people? You are inexcusable, O man, whosoever thou art that judges... For wherein thou judgest another, you condemn yourself. For thou that judgest another does the same thing. But we are sure that the judgment of God is according to truth against them who commit such things. And think thou, old, uh, and, and thinkest thou, this old man, that judgest them that do the such things, and does the same, that thou shalt escape the judgment of God. Notice in verse 4. Or despise, do you... Do you continually despise the riches of God's goodness and his forbearance and his long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads thee to repentance? A, a total, continual rejection. And there may be some people that are comparing themselves among themselves. Well, I'm not a murderer. No, but you're in sin, and sin will drive you to hell. Sin will drive you to hell. And yet, people are being fattened up for the slaughter. And unfortunately... 
you and I both know that happens in some places they call themselves Christian churches. They're not teaching people truth. They're not teaching people the fear of the Lord. They're not teaching righteousness and holiness. None of that's being taught, so they're really fattening up people that attend their assembly for the slaughter. And God says if they continue on that way, they will, in fact, face hellfire forever and ever and ever. And so these are weighty things. Head back with me to Zechariah for a moment, please. This is a horrible picture back in Zechariah chapter 11 of Israel having rejected their Messiah. And we see in Zechariah chapter 11, right from verses 5 all the way down to, uh, to verse 15, about the foolish shepherds, and this would have been the Pharisees and Sadducees in the days of uh, our Lord Jesus Christ. Remember, the Lord Jesus condemned these people. If I was to do that today about preachers, let's say, People would think, well, man, that guy is harsh. What's wrong with him? He's just one of those old, nasty old guys. If I was to condemn any of the preachers that I know reject the truth of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, if I was to condemn them the way the Lord Jesus did in the book of Matthew, people would disdain me. And yet, did Jesus lie? Did the Lord Jesus Christ not tell the truth about these people? Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You devour widows' houses to what? Just for their money. That's all you're doing. You make long pretenses of prayers. What? So people will see you. In other words, you're acting an act. You're not doing the truth. And so God says that he's going to judge those foolish shepherds, but he's also going to judge those individuals that reject him. The shepherds, the scriptures tell us, will receive the greater damnation. Now, I, I want to be honest with you. I don't understand that, do you? I cannot understand that. And I looked it up, and I, I must have, I don't know, 40 books on uh, the Gospels, and neither of those guys understand it. And you're welcome to come in my library and look at them. What is a greater damnation? damnation than hell but that's what the Lord Jesus says about false teachers let's look at that if we can please head with me please to Luke chapter 12 Luke chapter 12 and so Israel has rejected the Messiah and they're going to go through a horrible slaughter a horrible slaughter. The day of the Lord's going to bring that upon them, the, a judgment day. We're in uh, Luke chapter 12. Look at verse 45, please, of Luke chapter 12. But if thy servant say in his heart, my Lord delays his coming and shall begin to eat, uh, shall begin to beat the men servants and maid servants and to eat and drink and to be drunk, the Lord of that servant will come in a day when he looks not for him and in an hour when he is not aware and will cut him asunder and will appoint him a portion with the unbelievers. And that servant who knew his Lord's will and prepared not himself, neither did according to his will, shall be beaten with many stripes. But he that knew not and did commit such things worthy of stripes shall be beaten with few stripes. 
For unto whomsoever much is given of him shall much be required, and of whom much men have committed much, uh, committed much of him of him will they ask the more. This this references the nation of Israel had everything they needed to see who Messiah was. They knew where he was going to be born in Bethlehem of Judea. They knew where he was going to grow up. The scriptures pointed to everything about Messiah. And what did they do? They rejected the day of his coming. And our Lord Jesus spoke about these folks when he said, there's going to be a judgment coming, and the, the false teachers will receive the greater judgment. Now, that's also true of, of Bible teachers, which makes me shudder to even think about. I, I've been corrected on several occasions for, for, uh, for things, and, and I deserve it at times. I'm sure of that. And, and at times, I probably taught stuff that wasn't exactly correct because I didn't know better, and I had to grow just like you did and, and, and search the scriptures and all that business, so that's for sure. But someone who deliberately teaches false theology, deliberately says things like they heard a message from God and, you know, they, they, and, and they, they have a message, God gave me this, and there's some message they heard in their mind somewhere in the back hollow, mostly hollow brain, and out it comes, and they say, they're saying that they heard something, and then they spew this out to the people. The scriptures say that person is going to be judged the greatest. Let's look at a couple passages if we could. Turn with me to uh, Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 17. This is talking about what we would know to be elders in the church or, or church leadership. They will receive the greater judgment. In Hebrews chapter 13, and I'm sure you're familiar with this pa passage in verse 17. Hebrews 13, 17, talking about elders in a local assembly. Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls as they that must give account that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. See, elders, or what we know to be church leaders, will give account for what they do among the flock. Now, they're only accountable if they don't give the right message. We could go back to Ezekiel. Son of man, I made you a watchman over the house of Israel. If you tell them to do this, then they, their blood will be upon their own heads. But if you don't tell them, their blood will be upon your head. Peter, uh, Paul repeated that in Acts chapter 20. That's pretty sobering stuff. And so God says that believers will receive the greater judgment. Turn with me to James chapter 3, again a passage you're very familiar with. Christian teachers will receive a greater judgment. Now what is the greater judgment? Well, it's not hellfire for sure, because if once you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, your security is, is secure. Your eternal security is based upon him and not your own works. But God's going to judge our works one day, and the works of a Christian worker will be judged severely, at least a Christian teacher who does not teach truth. Pick it up in James 3 and verse 1. My brethren, stop being many teachers, knowing this, that ye, or teachers, we, we teachers, shall receive the greater judgment. So there's a judgment to come for believers. Imagine the unsaved. 
what that's going to be like. Just think about that. Jeremiah talks about the judgment of unsaved individuals. The Lord Jesus Christ talked about unsaved individuals. The entire Old Testament prophecy talked about unsaved individuals in the judgment. Why? Because when they knew God, they glorified him not as God. We're not talking about little babies that can't understand something or someone with a, 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 a brain malfunction, someone who is, uh, has dead brain cells that can't understand God. We're, not talk we're talking about those people who know, who know that there is a God. In, in Romans chapters 1 and 2, it talks about they, know, they can know it by creation, the invisible things. By conscience, they can know it. By conviction, they can know it. They know there's a God, and yet they, they choose their own way. Those people will, in fact, be judged by a holy God. Now, that's, this is heavy stuff. You know, Think about how difficult that is. In the days of our Lord Jesus Christ in A.D., turn with me to Matthew chapter 24, please. Matthew chapter 24. Under Roman rule, in Matthew chapter 24, under Roman rule, our Lord Jesus is speaking, and he says in Matthew chapter 24 that some terrible things are going to come to pass. This was just prior to his death, burial, and resurrection and ascension unto glory. But in Matthew chapter 24, he's up on the mount of he's up on the Temple Mount with his disciples, and his disciples are. are kind of pointing out Matthew 24 and verse 1, and Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came to him to show him the buildings of the temple. So the temple structure itself was right there, and they were out, if you would, in the parking lot, and, and they're showing the Lord Jesus, look at, the, look at the beauty of this temple, look at this, and that would have been Herod's temple. Look how wonderful this is. And our Lord Jesus says something frightening to these people, and they cannot understand it. Notice in verse 2. And Jesus said unto him, See ye not all these things? He's pointing to this magnificent edifice. Just there, there is coming a day when there shall not be one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. This thing will be leveled. Absolutely leveled. And notice in verse uh, 3, and as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, so he said that to them, and walk, now they walk down the hill, down through the Jordan Valley, they walk up the other side onto the Mount of Olives, and when they get there, the Lord Jesus sits down, and they came to him privately, so who knows, it might have been just the 12, it could have been 100, the, the, his true disciples came to him privately and said unto him, tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of thy coming and the end of the age? When, when is this going to happen? You just said the temple will be destroyed in all the buildings. And now Jesus is going to pick it up with Titus, General Titus, who came and destroyed Jerusalem. From, he's going to pick it up from General Titus all the way to Antichrist. And that's where our study will really begin. General Titus came in 70 A.D., historical. Um, if you read about some of it, it's just unbelievable what Titus did as he came in from the north, swooped down from the north, came across from the north, and came down and just leveled and devastated everything. Just leveled and burnt and devastated everything. 
Jerusalem especially was just massacred. Tens of thousands of people were killed. Tens of thousands of people were crucified. So much crucifixion took place, there, there was not a stick of lumber to be found in all the north of Jerusalem. I've been involved, uh, I think Doris was with me, we went and we planted trees in Israel. If you can go there today and plant trees. I don't know if our trees are there, or maybe they dig them up and replant them for someone else. Yeah, <laughs> yeah really. <laughs> what, what we bought a little seedling, so what? So you could replant it, why? Because the nation is barren, bare of all kinds of lumber, why? It went back, of course, to God's judgment upon the land, but also it went back to Roman jurisdiction where they crucified so many people they used up most of the lumber. Imagine that. Think about that. If that happened here, no, no trees out in the parking lot. Why? They were used for instruments of death. Think about the trees around your house. No trees. Why? They were used to crucify people. Just a horrible, horrible thought. But our Lord Jesus points out that that rejection under Roman rule. Turn with me, please, to um, Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19. So Messiah is rejected. Remember that um, Zechariah is speaking prophetically. Messiah isn't on the scene yet. But Jeremiah, uh, Zechariah is laying out the prophetic sequence. Here we go. Media Persia, first Babylon, Media Persian Empire. Then he shows us the Grecian Empire that's going to come. Then he shows us the Roman Empire that's going to come. And there's one last empire that's going to uh, make a stand and try to rule the whole world. And we know that will be the, the empire of Antichrist. Luke chapter 19. Look at verse 41 for a moment, please. Luke 19, 41. Please. Why? Why would, why would this happen? How could this happen? Remember our Lord Jesus is coming into Jerusalem. And we pick it up in chapter 9, Luke 19 and verse uh, 41. And when he was come near unto the city, he beheld the city and wept over it. So he's up on the Mount of Olives, and he's looking into the city of Jerusalem in all its splendor, all its glory. He's looking down into the city of Jerusalem, and he starts to cry. He wept over it, saying, if you had known even the least even at least in thy day, if you had known. And the Greek carries the thought of a second-class condition, but you didn't. But you didn't. If you had known, but you didn't. You, you turned against the truth. You should have known, but you rejected that truth. If you had known, even thou in the least in thy uh, day, the things which belong to thy peace, but now they are hidden from thine eyes, for the day shall come upon thee that thine enemies shall cast a trench about thee and compass thee round and keep thee uh, in on every side. That was Titus. He came down into the city, completely surrounded. The zealots had gone up onto the, um, up onto the temple mount, and they were, they, they were secure, they felt, in the temple. And uh, General Silva went to the south, Titus went to the north, and they laid trenches. They laid a, a siege around the nation of Israel, and they began to starve them to death. And then they went in when they were weakened, and they began to take the, the, the temple. They destroyed Fort Antonia in the north, and they went in from the north all the way down. And the Lord Jesus says, 
for thine enemy shall come upon thee and shall cast a trench about thee and compass thee round about and keep thee in on every side and shall lay thee even with the ground and thy children within thee and they shall not leave in thee one stone upon another because you knew not the time of your visitation. You rejected the Messiah. You turned against the Messiah. This is so disheartening to think about. It's, it's, it's a tra tragedy to think about. But we live in the very same days. It's no different now than it was then. God is still calling out a people. He still wants people to come to the Lord Jesus Christ. He's used us as his instruments. We are him, his ambas ambassadors now on earth. And people are still spitting upon Messiah. I don't want that. I don't need that. Um, you, you're just tr trying to send me on a guilt trip. I've heard it all. I don't know, have you ever heard this? Some of this stuff? I, you're just trying to spoil my life. Uh, all you are is just uh, old-fashioned and, and all of that business. You hear it all, but what are they saying is, I don't want him. Why? Because I want to keep doing what I'm doing. Partying drinking, you name it. I want to keep doing what I want to do. I don't need your God. He's going to spoil my fun. I don't want to be on a guilt trip about anything. And essentially what they're doing is the very same thing Israel did. So when Messiah has come, and one day Joel says he's coming back. Of course, Joel is not the only prophet, but particularly in Joel. And what he says to the nation of Israel, you are looking forward to the day of the Lord. But let me tell you something. The day of the Lord is not going to be so great for you. It's going to be a day of horrible judgment. Now, that's all I talked about all night. I know it. it's disparaging. I know it. But that's what the text is talking about. It's talking about the judgment of the nation of Israel for having rejected their Messiah. But that carries through to our very present day. Our very present day. So we're going to see Antichrist. Now, here's a wonderful thing about Antichrist. We're not going to be here for him. We won't be here for him. We're going to be out of here. <laughs> We're going to be up in glory. But let me remind you of this. It could happen. It could happen very soon. People have been preaching that to me for 35 years of my salvation. But it could happen at any moment. And let, let's, let's guess that it's going to happen next week. That means everyone you know and I know that have rejected Messiah are going to go through that time. Every one of them. So we'll look at that, and I want to lay out for you over the next couple of weeks from Zechariah, who points out very plainly, and from comparing the scriptures with the scriptures, that um, what will happen when Antichrist does come, and what will, um, what will be the devastation of what we know to be planet Earth and all of its glory. And, you know, we're, they're worried today about uh, fossil fuel burning and, you know, the poles will be melted. God says, yes, they will, and I'm going to do it. The earth will be burned with fire. Imagine that. Talk about pollution. One-third of the earth's surface will be on fire. So we'll look at that together as we finish up the book of Zechariah. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this time. Father, I know uh, these are harsh, harsh words 
for those of us who know the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior, we know that we will have no part in this. This will not be our future. And yet, Father, we're, uh, we're immersed in a generation that rejects your word. We thank you that we're secure. We have eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Help us, Father, to be ambassadors for the truth. Help, help us to plead with them in Christ's stead to be reconciled to God. Father, we pray that you would just give us the, your strength to, to continue in such a world. Help us not to be embarrassed by them despising us, belittling us, saying things about us that they said about the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Father, thank you for this time. As we go our ways, Father, give us your wisdom and your grace. Help us in this week ahead, Lord, open an opportunity that we might speak of our Lord Jesus Christ. We pray in his name. Amen.